Welcome back to the Apostles Mailbox, where today we're going to hit a flyover state on our way through the book of John. Yeah, I say flyover state, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek here, because I live in a flyover state, uh, but the reality is is that if you want to eat, uh, you have to have the center of America. You can't just have big cities. They don't produce enough food for people to live. And so you do need some wide open spaces. You need fields and farmers and ranches. Uh, You need uh, the heartland. And uh, sometimes I think when we read our Bibles, it's easy to like jump from one glamorous thing to the next. You know, it's it's fascinating to 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 deal on some topics. It's it's exciting when you go to a special event and you hear something really profound and new. Uh, but the reality is, is that the heart of our relationship with God comes uh, not from just uh, jumping from one mountain to the next, but it it happens in the mountains and the valleys and everything in between. And it's the same with Scripture. God has given us uh, the Bible that we might know him and that we might see him. And there are things in there that might not be, it might not be immediately apparent what their value is. Uh, But when you stop and slow down and linger, uh, the Spirit can give you insight. And so today we're in one of those passages that if we we weren't really... um, paying attention, we might be tempted just to breeze by, but we're going to slow down. We're going to read John 3 together, uh, and uh, we're going to see what's there. Uh, so let's turn there now. Um, the last In the last episode, we were talking about Jesus discussing with Nicodemus uh, life, specifically life through Jesus Christ, and we read uh, perhaps the most famous Bible verse in the Bible, um, that uh, God, this is how God loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we, and we talked about uh, how what Jesus is pointing at, at is that our salvation comes not from doing a bunch of things, but from looking to him. Um, and you can go back and watch that episode if you haven't seen it yet. I encourage you to do that. Uh, but that's the context that we're dealing with. Jesus has been uh, talking with Nicodemus, this leader of the Pharisees, and we wrapped up that conversation last week. And now uh, we come uh, to verse 20, or sorry, verse 22. After that, uh, the Gospel of John continues, and we read, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. Now, John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification, and they came to John and they said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. And John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Okay, so you read that and you're like, okay, well, that's nice. What's next? Um, 
But there's a lot going on here, if we, again, if we just slow down and we remember that context is important, that the Bible is not just like a, a series of independent ideas that can just be cut apart from each other, um, but also uh, that what's in there is significant, okay? So, in this gospel, we have uh, Jesus, right? He's remaining in the Judean countryside, and he is baptizing, and presumably, Jesus is teaching as he baptizes. He's, he's not just out there like doing a task. Uh, he's calling people to be baptized, and apparently he's, he's explaining to, him the, to, to them the reason for this baptism. Um, and so the question is like, uh, okay, what is Jesus teaching? And we can't answer that from John's text. What we can do, though, is we can look to the rest of the Gospels, and we can learn some of the things Jesus is teaching. And of course, what we can do is we can look directly back at what Jesus just taught to Nicodemus, and we can assume that these are the kinds of things that Jesus is talking about. Okay, now it's not a great idea to build your theology on a bunch of assumptions, uh, but when we read that Jesus is baptizing, what we should understand is that Jesus has begun his ministry in earnest. And there's a couple of implications to this, and one of them connects to John the Baptist. Now, if you were with me in the last episode, I believe it was the last episode or one of the last couple, I pointed out that Jesus says, we teach, right? We are teaching what we know. Um, and, and when he says we, he's talking about him and someone else. And I think I made the reference then that possibly one of the things that he is referring to is the fact that he and John the Baptist are teaching a similar thing, right? Now, we know later on, all right, I guess I should say, I, I know, maybe you know, if you've read your Bible, you probably know, that later on, Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. He is going to give his followers, his disciples, the Holy Spirit. But by the end of the gospel, we're told that that baptism hasn't happened yet, that the Holy Spirit hasn't happened yet. So, at this point in time, Jesus is not baptizing in the Holy Spirit. He is baptizing with water, right? And, of course, we're told that even as Jesus is doing this water baptism thing, John also is continuing to baptize. And uh, where is John baptizing? Well, he's baptizing at Anon near Salim. And you might say, well, why is that? Is that something important? Well, John tells us, quite frankly, why? Well, because there was water there, a lot of it. So, it was a good place to baptize. And also, people were coming and being baptized. So, John's out there. He's got a reputation. People have been coming after him. They know him. Uh, they're going out and they're being, uh, <laughs> maybe this is like the first revival preacher. John is preaching a, a baptism of repentance, that you acknowledge your sin, that you confess your sin, that you acknowledge that you need to be purified from it, and you're baptized as a, as a sign of turning away from your sin. And uh, the writer of this gospel tells us, just as a bit of an aside, that John had not yet been put in prison. And this helps us get our time frames right, because we know that eventually John the Baptist is arrested, and eventually he is executed. And now with that little tag, uh, we know that at this point, even before John was arrested, even before John was forcibly removed from the picture, Jesus had already begun his ministry. 
okay? So we can't say like, well, John just came, and then when John uh, was arrested and he was out of the picture, then Jesus just sort of stepped into this void and took up after John um, and just carried on John's business. No, what we can say is that uh, Jesus already began his ministry, and as we're going to find out, well, as we read, uh, John is, is a fan of this. He thinks this is right. Okay, now uh, we'll notice that there's a discussion between John's disciples. So he had people following after him, learning after him, just like Jesus had people following after him and learning from him, and a Jew. And usually, again, when John's gospel refers to Jews, he's referring not just to generically to an Israelite, but to one of the Jewish leaders. Uh, and they're arguing about purification. Okay, so as a bit of a background, the, the, the Jewish leaders had all of these rituals about how to properly purify yourself, to wash yourself, etc., to make yourself ceremonially clean. And uh, John is baptizing, which is a picture of purification. So some of John's message is indeed going to be about how you are made right and able to approach God. And they're arguing about this. And so they come to John, and you would think, right, you would think that when they bring this argument to John, what's going to come up? They're going to ask him to solve the debate, right? Imagine they're, they're going to say to John, uh, okay, John, here's what we were arguing about. Um, tell us what you think. And, and here's kind of the surprise in Scripture. <laughs> so... Uh, we're told that the reason they come to John is because they're arguing over purification. And then when they get there, the question that they ask him is not about purification. Okay? <laughs> as far as we can tell. Uh, they say, Rabbi, he was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Uh, now, I say it doesn't have anything to do with purification, but in some ways... It might, okay, because the Jews viewed uh, this sort of baptism sometimes as a, as a sign of being uh, brought into a, into a new spiritual state. And so one of the questions was, who does John the Baptist think he is to be baptizing people as if he can give them something? And so maybe the question is, uh, John, what is, your, what is your baptism accomplishing? Um, I don't think that's the case given the way that this is phrased, but I could be wrong. At any rate, when they come to John, what immediately comes out is this competitive impulse, if you will. Um, they come to John, and all they can do is they can point out, like, look, teacher, that's what rabbi means, right? Rabbi is my teacher. Uh, look, the guy who was with you, that guy that you baptized, Jesus, you know, the one that you told us about, he started baptizing, and everybody's going after him. Hey, look around. You see, your crowds are smaller. Well, I can tell you where they went. They're over at the new church downtown. Uh, well, not the new church, but you might get where I'm going here. And what does John answer? Right now, imagine, imagine that you 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 got a pastor in town, and uh, he's got a he's got a bunch of people in his church, and he's teaching them. He's making disciples of them, and somebody plants a new church in town, and and, uh, and 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 some people come and visit the old guy, and they say, "Hey, what, you know, you know that that church uh, that was planted by 
by one of your disciples, by somebody who, who used to come to this church, look, everybody's going over there, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Uh, you, you can imagine a lot of things that pastor might say, um, but probably none of them match exactly John's response. And look at John's response. He says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. And I'm going to, I'm just going to highlight this here. You cannot receive even one thing unless it is given you from heaven. And then he turns to them and he said, Look, you heard from me. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah. I have been sent before him. Right? Just like the one who has the bride, <laughs> the one who gets to take the bride home after the wedding, that's the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom, best man, if you will, uh, who stands and hears him, celebrates him. He rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. The bridegroom's his friend, loves him. He loves what's good for him. Uh, and so the, the friend of the bridegroom is happy when the bridegroom gets the bride, right? Therefore, he says, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. And what you have John the Baptist saying here is this. He says, look, my goal is not to get people to follow me. My whole reason for existence and for ministry was to get people to follow after Jesus. The bride, the bride of Christ is, is the one who is married to the groom, to Jesus, right? The point of being a follower of Jesus is to be married to the groom. It is not to be married to a little fellowship. It is not to be married to a little teacher. It is to be married to the groom. In John the Baptist, the very beginnings of Jesus' ministry is already saying this. Look, anyone who would rob the groom of his bride is not a true friend of the bridegroom. Uh, and I told you, it's not about me. It's about him. And so when you read this, you see this incredible humility on John the Baptist of him saying like, oh, good, <laughs> Jesus has started his ministry, now I can fade away, now my job's done. Um, how different is this, right, from the way that, uh, that the church operates today, right? Uh, you have all kinds of people who, who their goal seems to be like, let's get as many followers for me, or for my ministry, or for my church. Let's get as many people to be acolytes of me, to come after me, and then I'll tell them this important stuff because I know God, and, and I know all these important things about Jesus, and I'll help them get saved, and I'll help them grow, and whatever. But the reality is, is that the call to be a part of the body of Christ, a call to serve the body of Christ, uh, whether you're talking title is, uh, is pastor or teacher or prophet or apostle or evangelist, whatever your title is, uh, it is the groom, it is Jesus Christ to whom the church belongs. And uh, if, if you have a, a church building or an organization, it is very um, it is very tempting to say like, well, this organization only exists if we have enough people here. And so we're very possessive, I think, is sometimes as organized groups of believers, that we think like it's our job to sustain uh, 
the the church building uh, to sustain the church ministries to sustain these traditions to sustain our name to to do whatever um, but the reality is is that the 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 reason Jesus came is not so that we could have another product to sell to build a big business but so that people could be united through Jesus Christ to the living God who created them who they were alienated from right so we just saw as as Jesus was teaching Nicodemus that God loved the world they were alienated from him they were in death they were dying and so Jesus sent the son so that he could be crucified he could be lifted up so that everyone who believed in him might have life in him and and Jesus, of course, knew this. And what is remarkable is that John the Baptist knew this, but John the Baptist also knew this to his own, I don't even want to say detriment, uh, but to his own diminishment, right? And so John the Baptist says, when I do my job, people won't be following me anymore. They'll all leave and go after Jesus. Like, if I can do my job absolutely perfectly, every last one of you will stop being a disciple of me, John the Baptist, and start being a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the goal, okay? And that makes me happy. So that makes me happy. Now I know there are I know there are pastors I know there are church leaders I know there are ministers uh, out there um, who, if you were to tell them like, hey, you know, so and so who used to come to your church or who used to be a part of your ministry is now really involved in a different ministry, uh, I know there are many who would say, good. <laughs> well, I'm glad that they're still serving God, that they're a part of the kingdom, and if that's where God wants them right now, great. Uh, uh, I hope God blesses uh, their service of others. Uh, there are many who would do that, and these are the kinds of these are the kinds of Christians, if you will, uh, that you want to unite yourself to to and 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 to love and to bless. And 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 there are others, unfortunately, who would say, "Well, you know." Um, and, and they would just immediately start throwing shade at these other ministries or saying, you, you know, you can't go there. They're, they're wrong and all these things. And you, and you really need to stay with us. We're the real, true, only church and, um, and, and have this sort of like real possessiveness as if the believers belong to a local fellowship and not to the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and, and so I think one of the reasons that, that the Gospel of John has this account here is they want to make it very clear that like Jesus is not robbing John of his rightfully earned disciples or whatever, nor is he in competition uh, to John the Baptist. But this very, very famous preacher who's out there telling people to confess their sins and to repent of them and to be baptized is a sign of that. And now he's like, he is just shoveling them. He is... He is moving them along uh, to Jesus Christ. And so there's an encouragement to you as well. If, and, and my assumption is that in some way, God wants to use you to uh, point more people to Jesus Christ that they might have his life, right? That is God's goal for you as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a son of God or a daughter of God, as one who shares in that same spirit. That's God's plan for you. That's God's desire for you. 
And if you do your job well, then at the end of the day, those people will love you, of course, but they will be enamored by Jesus Christ. They will, they will be the ones who have come into, into relationship with Jesus Christ and who have approached God the Father through Jesus and have found the way, the truth, and the life. And that way, the truth, and the life is not you. And if the day ever comes where that, where they, uh, leave a, a church or a fellowship or a ministry that you're a part of, God moves them on to something else. Um, if you take that personally, like they have betrayed you and therefore done some horrible thing, it will mean that you're, you're sort of missing the point, that it was never about you. It was always about God reaching the lost through love. And notice where John starts here. He says this, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. And I think what John is saying here is this, I didn't actually earn these followers. I didn't make them come after me. God sent these people to me because he was doing his work in them. And so to whatever degree I had notoriety or fame or followers or disciples, that wasn't on me. That was God. I did not do that. That was given to me by God, and it was given to me by according to his purposes. And now he has other purposes for those people and more power to him. That is God's prerogative. He can give these blessings to whoever he wants. And when Jesus says, right, that the, the Son of Man might be lifted up as the serpent was in the desert so that whoever believes in him might have eternal life, that he would say that you are already condemned and that unless you believe in the Son, you don't have life. Uh, if, if we mistake this idea to say somehow that we have to go and take hold of something, that we have to go and earn or deserve or accomplish something, we miss the fact that you can only have what God has first offered to you, what God has first given to you. And so the credit and the and, and the joy and the praise in this whole transaction, it doesn't go to you uh, for, for being shrewd enough to grab a hold of things, but it, come, it, it goes, it, that praise is rightfully due to the Father who has, in Jesus Christ, offered life to you. He has given it to you. And the true joy, the real and, and profound and deep and lasting joy comes not from saying, look what I have done and what I have accomplished, but in saying, look what God has done for me. And now the bride has come to her groom and they are united and the celebration now begins. So I hope you've been encouraged by this uh, short little journey uh, through the middle of John chapter three. Um, there of course is more to come and we'll see it in the weeks to come. Uh, but don't fall into this trap when you read God's word of just breezing past the seemingly boring things because sometimes the most beautiful truths uh, can be seen if we'll slow down and say, now why? Uh, for what reason would God have put this into the Gospel of John. God bless you. We'll see you back here again soon.